Do you love watching live TV but are tired of your huge cable bill? Sling TV has the same top cable channels for as little as half the price, so you can save hundreds of dollars while still watching your favorite sports, news, reality TV, and more. Ditch cable and get Sling's total live streaming solution with free local channels. Setup and installation are included. Make the smart choice and switch to Sling TV. Get the best of cable for the best price. Learn more at sling.com slash cut cable. That's sling.com slash cut cable. Setup and installation included with $49 down and $20 a month for 12 months. Restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Colazzo, the Mexican football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and joining me, as always, is Manu Ved. Manu, how have you been? I've been good the last 10 minutes since we spoke last. How about you? It's not too bad. <laughs> I've asked you this question very, uh, well, very recently on the Gegenpressen podcast, as we're doing on Back to Back today, yeah. eh? Why not? We've got plenty to talk about mm. both. Uh, countries, both football uh, divisions. So, um, yeah, makes sense to do them together, I suppose. Uh, but we're not alone. We're not alone this week. We've managed to drag them back. That's right. We've got Ollie Duxbury. Ollie, how have you been? It's been a while. It has been a while. Again, I've been quite busy, and it's nice to be back on the pod and knowing that from. Well, it's, it's nice and not nice to have a break from Mexican football, but. It's nice to have a few days just to like chill for a bit. Yes, indeed. So, um, uh, well, it's, it's great to have you back. But as everyone knows, the international break is fast approaching. El Trey will be uh, facing, well, they're going to be in Europe, actually. They're, they're going to be facing uh, Belgium and then uh, Poland. But um, I feel we need to talk about things domestically uh, first, as there's plenty going on in Liga MX, as always. Um, but we're getting closer and closer to the, uh, the Ligia, aren't we? And um, I feel we need to talk about, um, well, a rather surprise um, victory for Lobos, uh, the promoted side this year. Um, Manu, you and I have mentioned in uh, previous weeks that they are somewhat bipolar, aren't they? And they've stunned us by uh, beating a top of the table, Monterey, a team that we were just uh, singing the praises of uh, last week, but um, how well they have done this campaign. Uh, but um, yeah, Ollie, I, I can only imagine that you didn't see this one coming, but um, you had a lot to say off air about the goals in this game. And yeah, a bit of a bit of misfortune for the uh, goalkeeper, right? I mean, well, what exactly um, happened with these goals and how did the game go? Well, it's mainly just the, the, the opening goal for Monterey. The game's barely a minute old and Lobos is just passing it around at the back. And you're thinking, OK, Lobos have got this under control. But then you think at the same time, wait a minute, this is Lobos. Anything can happen with them. So the ball goes back to the keeper. He's being put under a little bit of pressure by Hurtado. So he's going to like, think, OK, I'm just going to clear it first time. And he's sort of standing to the right of his post, like a bit out of goal. So the, whole, the goal is open. He just kicks, swings a leg, it kicks it, hits, just sort of hits her tighter in the chest and just rolls into the net. It's like, if this was any other team, I'd be surprised, but it's Lobos, so I'm just, you're just not surprised. But if it, to come back from that, to turn it around to win 2-1 was mighty impressive. Yeah, somewhat of a, a freak um, goal to begin with. A bit of unlucky um, circumstances for the goalkeeper. Better put Monterey ahead. Normally, Monterey don't have a- any issues scoring whatsoever. But obviously, we're talking about Lobos uh, first. And uh, Ollie, as you just mentioned, but do you think Lobos deserved to win this game? I mean, you know, they're, they're a team of ups and downs, but, you know, to to get a winner 10 minutes from the end, what, was it deserved? It was deserved, yeah. I mean, you see that Lobos being up and down all season. They were they was up and down in this game. They started quite poorly. It took about 20, 25 minutes to get going. But then Monterey sort of like slowed off, you think, knowing they've already qualified for the Ligia. They can sort of like afford to not like push themselves too much. You've got Mohamed had been rotating in recent weeks as well. And Lobos sort of knew they had, knowing they had to win this game to I think give themselves any real chance for making the Ligia. Just suddenly just got more confident, scored a really good equaliser. I think it was a free kick that came in, came out wide to him and it just sort of just sort of wet, let, let it like run past him and hit it on the half volume to the top corner. 
And from there, they just kept piling on and piling on and eventually got the deserved winner through Quinenos. I think it's got his mm-hmm. ninth or tenth goal of the season now. He's, he's been a superb signing, I think. If he goes back to Tigre, they can just, just add, add to their attack even more. And Manu, talking about uh, Lobos and staying on that subject, what, what do you think? Do you think it's been a successful uh, campaign for them? In, in my opinion, um, you know, we, we've obviously seen them playing 16 occasions now. They have lost more than they've won, but sitting up in 11th, I would have said mm. that this is a pretty good campaign for them. We have, as we mentioned, that bipolar description, mm. we have seen some highs and lows for them. Uh, but I think a, a lot of people would have anticipated um, after their bright start to the campaign that they probably would have, um, well, probably resumed where people had predicted them to be and fallen down the table. But it's it's been a pretty good um, first campaign for them. I would say so. I mean... Look, there were so many issues with that side, right? The the television contract and the the, the brawl that involved. I think Kineos was involved in that as well, right, Ollie? And um, there were so many issues that happened in and around that side. And at the same time, there was this um, nice story on the pitch in the beginning of the season. And, you know, it looked like a promoted side. Promoted sides, um, they get used to the playing in, in a new league. And so they're... There can be ups and downs, and I guess that that was to be expected. And um, I think, you know, we were talking you know, before the show about relegation, and relegation is not a subject right now, right? That doesn't really come into play until this the the two half seasons are played. But um, they don't really they don't really factor into that right now after this first half season. And if they play another half season like they did right now, then they're not going to get relegated. And I think it's it's really interesting how how they they just kind of were able to stay out of that, but with all these problems in mind, right? You know, television, uh, off-field brawls, um, financial issues, etc., etc., etc. Yet they were able to do it. And I mean, this game and Ollie, this game is I, I just looked at the stats, and <laughs> the stats are just insane. I mean, I we're talking about Monterey, and Monterey are the most dominant team. And I'm I'm going to ignore the ball possession thing because I remember the last time you were on, we talked about how ball possession doesn't seem to matter anymore, right? So I'm just mm-hmm. going to ignore that. But they had 17 to 9 shots in this game. And this is for Lobos. Corner kicks 9 to 2. And they had almost twice as many accurate passes. Lobos played them off the field. And this is crazy. I mean, um, this is maybe a question for you. Um, and this is something I've worried about quite a bit with Monterey. Is Monterey complacent because they've been in that had that playoff spot assured for so long and were so dominant in this half season that they kind of have taken the foot off the paddle a little bit? Yeah, they have slightly. I think their two losses have, have come in like in the recent weeks have been away at Poebam, away at Lobos, which you think. For Monterey, any other time in the season, you expect them to really just batter them. You think even prior to losing away at Away, but they drew with Querétaro, so he's in, and, and you already had with them being in the Copper MX as well. There, Mohamed was like rotating against, he rotated against, like really rotating against Pumas. So, like for a game against Universidad de Guadalajara, who play in the in the league below, so you clearly feel like I've already got, I've, I know what we've already done. The league's fine. We, we're going to qualify, whatever. We can sort of just slow down a bit. Which you want to be going into the playoffs in real good form because yeah. it's. it's I think they've only got two games left this season now, home to Santos Laguna and obviously the massive derby against Tigre. And you think if they're, if they're a bit sluggish in those two games as well, it, it, this is definitely going to impact them on in the, in the Liguilla. I, if, if I can just throw in my uh, opinion on that, I think, yes, obviously they've, it seems almost like complacency and maybe they thought that they were going to beat uh, Lobos, you know, with all the power that they have uh, you know, in that squad. But I think it's good news and bad news for uh, Tigres in a way. I mean, Tigres will be hoping that, you know, on Friday nights, uh, Friday night, our time anyway, um, they will be playing Santa Laguna. And I, I, I think that they'll be thinking, you know, if, if Santos could just, you know, maybe uh, maybe draw with them or, or beat them, uh, then it gives them hope for your Tigres to to play them at the weekend and uh, you yeah maybe finish top of the the campaign. But mm. I think actually 
them losing that game will kick them into gear, and I reckon that they'll they'll beat Santos heavily, mm-hmm. and then that will uh, will crush that dream. So, so to be honest, as much as it's give them a little bit of hope, Tigres, I also think it's it's going to work against them in that way as well. Yeah, uh, well, Bryce, but that's a really good point. I mean, we kind of plan to talk about this a little bit later in the pod, but we might as well talk about it now. That Thursday game, all of a sudden, is really important, right? Because all of a sudden. Monterey had looked assured to be first in, in the, in the regular season need to win against Santos Laguna in order to get that first place. Unless, you know, in order to avoid, um, playing that all decisive derby against Tigres. And that is really interesting because they didn't, they really need, didn't need to be there. They had, you know, two match balls and they, they wasted them. And it's, Really interesting how we talked about this, I guess, even when you were on the pod last time, right? How about how Monterey have to be really careful about complacency and mm-hmm. in a system where you play with playoffs, that is so important that you go into the playoffs hot, that you already on a top form. And you see that many times in, in sports where there is playoffs that teams dominate a regular season and uh, heavily dominate a regular season, but then go into the playoffs maybe already three or four weeks having played three or four weeks where they've taken the first spot and then sort of the complacency sets in and then they face a team that got into the playoffs on the last minute and it's hot, is in that fight for survival mode and kicks them out. That's definitely a possibility. Yeah, but I, I think it's almost, um, I, I suppose, yeah, we're going to talk about them in a little bit as well, but might as well bring it up now. I, I think... With Monterey being uh, so far ahead at one stage and I'm looking at Shun, I, I think it's, you know, for it now to be a little bit closer, uh, well, somewhat very close, only one point between it, I, I think it's credit to Tigres. Uh, and they've kind of just went about their business, haven't they? Winning games. And uh, this this is now, you know, they're unbeaten in five, actually. They're, they've won uh, four uh, of the last five. Um, and I, I think it's just a credit to them picking up that form just as they're about to go into Ligia. And even if they finish second, um, I, I think they're going to be a hell of a force in Ligia. And, you know, because they always seem to thrive around about this time, don't they? Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I could see Monterey winning on Thursday or Friday, depending on your time zone. And then um, then maybe Tigres um, maybe even beating them at the weekend. But it's it being um, a little bit too late. I mean, Oli... Only what way do you see the uh, next two matches going? Yeah, I agree. I think Monterey will beat Santos Laguna. I think if Santos Laguna had won at the weekend and still had something to play for in the Liguilla, they would be like a lot more up for it. But knowing now that they can't make it, you think Magic could rotate slightly or they might just like not have the same motivation. Whereas I think it's really right. Monterey wants to like put out a statement after a bit of some iffy form recently. They've got a chance here when everyone else isn't playing to really show, show them why they are the top side and why they deserve to finish first. And I think they will do that. I think they could w- easily win that 3 or 4 nil because on their day, they could just they could swap teams away. But for some reason, this past the two, last two out of four matches against teams based in Puebla, they haven't been able to do that. Yeah. I, you know, there's an interesting storyline there, though, Rice. And I think that storyline is, you know, how... We just talked about Monterey and the complacency and, um, the, the fact that, you know, that they are basically had ensured that playoff spot and that they are in real danger. And we're talking about some of the sides that still could make the playoffs because we don't know, right? Between 10th and, uh, I guess mm-hmm. between 10th and 6th, we don't know who's going to be uh, one of these teams, um, to make the playoffs, but, m- they will be, be hard working, but you know, Tigris, they have been in battle mode now for five, six games, trying to catch up with the very top of the table, trying to get as high as a spot as possible. So they will not be faced by any of those teams that snuck in last minute in the playoffs because they've been playing playoff mode football themselves for literally midweek, midway through the season. Yeah. Very, very much so. It's, it's, it's going to be, as we keep saying here, it's going to be a very, entertaining uh, final weekends. Um, I, I look forward to, to getting just uh, talking a little bit um, about who we reckon will get into the gear exactly. But um, let's uh, let's just 
bring um, our UK listeners, let's just uh, get their attention up by uh, talking about Ravel Morrison, um, a guy who uh, obviously got sent off against Tigris uh, midweek. Um, Ollie, what, was this fair? Um, and what exactly happened for anyone that did uh, did miss the uh, the sending off? It's probably slightly harsh, in my opinion. It's sort of the way it happened, like, Atlas are on the counter-attack and Ravel gets the ball. He's sort of just crossing the halfway line, takes a bit of a heavy touch and overruns the ball. And Juninho Fatigra sort of steps up for it and wins, sort of puts his like foot up to get the ball when he gets to the ball first. And Ravel sort of go, he, he leans with his studs, which is obviously, goes in with his studs even, sorry, which is never a good sign when your studs are up. And very lightly catches Juninho on like the top of his foot. And he's like, oh, he does a massive overreaction, sort of almost as like a flip in the air. And the ref gives him, a, I know, and the ref gives him a straight red card. And the ref gives him a straight red card. I know, imagine a player in Mexico overreacting, and the ref gives him a straight red card, which the ref doesn't think about, it doesn't take on to deliberate, which you think in quite, in such, such an important, like sort of 18, 20 minutes in to go straight for the red card seemed harsh. And then you look at it on replays. It, I can see why the ref would go for it, but nine times out of ten, that's probably a yellow card max. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, looking at this, it it is it's tricky, isn't studs it? up. It is studs up, I suppose, yeah. if you're looking at them black and white. But, you know, when you hear studs up, you think of a guy sliding across the floor, don't you, with his studs, you're pointed in the direction of this, the shin of the opponent. But yeah. but it wasn't quite that. He went in, he missed the ball, his, his foot was slightly up, maybe at a maybe at a 45 degree angle and yeah, it, it's caught the opponent's foot. And that is you know, something that could cause say a met- metatarsal, you know, breakage or something yeah. in the foot. And I suppose the black and white of it says that he does have to go, but I, I was quite surprised. Um, Ravel didn't um, protest more. It's almost like he, he knew deep down inside as well. He's like, okay, well I have caught him and uh, that's the way it goes. You know, especially with the, We've talked about um, you having a, a bit of a an attitude over the years, and that being a bit of an issue. I I would have expected him to uh, really to kick up a bit of stink, but that was wasn't quite the case. Uh, Ollie, would would you have said that this uh, sending off then had a massive impact on the game? I mean, we've seen two goals following each other on the twenty fifth and twenty sixth minutes. Um, do you think if uh, he had stayed on the pitch, it would have been a different story for Atlas? I think possibly, yeah. He was he's been really good in these past few games. Suddenly, when he's, when Cruz has given him the uh, starting role, he's sort of playing left mid at times, sort of playing off um, Carigula at the moment. It's like really coming into his own. And I feel like you use such a dynamic player like Ravel, who just brings so much. He's still got like his feet is still really quick. He's got like, still a good eye for a ball, and he's a hell of a striker of a ball. I think in a couple of home games ago, he almost scored a like a twenty five yard free kick that smashed off the bar. And it meant Atlas had to go a bit more defensive. Tigre obviously grew into the game a lot more, had more time and space to do their very slow passing game and got the goal they deserved. But I think throughout the second half, Atlas did well. They defended really, really well. Didn't have many chances on the counter and deservedly got their point. But yeah, I agree. If Revel was still on the pitch, Atlas may have got the win. Well, this actually seen then the game finish. This was the midweek game, the, the game that Manu and I had um, highlighted uh, rather heavily last week. After well, after it was originally called off because um, the, uh, the the screens board. above the pit, yeah, was too low, which uh, uh, which we all laughed about. That all he said, um, the first goal kick in one of the games, I managed to go directly into it, which is just ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous, but um, yeah, that that was the uh, midweek game. Uh, that was week eight, actually. Um, if, if you know, just to uh, be precise about the match day, but it then seen um Atlas uh, well keep their Ligia uh, chances alive, and at the weekend that meant that Ravel Morrison managed to miss the trip to Chivas, uh, which is obviously um a Guadalajara uh, derby. Uh, this went in Atlas's favour, actually, uh, finishing at two-one. That that's a massive result, isn't it, Manu? And it mm. it really puts uh, Atlas in the thick of it when you're going for this Ligia spot. Because we we mentioned uh, just before we came on online, didn't we, that uh, the Cacs are now sitting in seventh, Atlas eighth, which is the cutoff for Ligia, and then Cruz Azul in ninth, all on twenty-four points. It's just goal difference separates the three sides, but. Um, yeah, quite a victory for Atlas. 
you know, it's been such a roller coaster ride for them this year. It, it really, really has. I mean, it, it feels like with Lobos every week will yeah. be the opposite to last week. But with Atlas, they were so strong for so many weeks. Uh, and then they they fell apart with obviously mm. the plenty of issues that were going on in the club. But now they seem to be you know, gathered a bit of strength and momentum again. And just like we talked about Tigris, you know, gathering that at the right time. Atlas are almost doing that as well, aren't they? Yeah, and it's it's interesting that it is happening exactly at that time when Rafa Marquez is back. You know, that seems to have stabilized things. Although, you know, as we explained, and I don't want to get into this again, but as we explained in the last part, there is still issues to be worked out with the Rafa Marquez case um, that could have an impact. But right now, that seem, it seems to be that is really key for him. They do have that leadership on the field, the, the stability that he brings. Look, they didn't have a great game against Chivas. I don't know what Chivas are doing wrong. Maybe, Ollie, you can go into that into more detail. But again, I'm looking at the statistics and I'm shaking my head because the statistics I'm seeing don't correlate at all to the to the result that I'm seeing on the scoreboard. And this seems to be the story of Chivas really this year. You know, Atlas got the three points that they really massively need. And, you know, Chivas were eliminated before this match day. If not on paper, they're very much so, right? Uh, but um, I don't know what Chiefers need to do to win games because they absolutely outplayed their, their rival. And then I guess Atlas just had the urgency to get the job done. But this is a big three points for Atlas to maybe make those playoffs. And, um, you know, the urgency that they're, they're showing to get them into the playoffs, you know, they will likely finish eighth or seventh and then likely face one of the Monterey sides, right? Um, or definitely will face one of the Monterey sides. And that um, the kind of urgency that they're showing is what they will need to, to take them on, to take on the likes of Tigres or Monterey. This is John Grills from the Creepy Podcast. With Best Christmas Ever on AMC+, Plus, every day feels like Christmas morning. From new holiday favorites like Elf and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation to modern iconic family classics like The Polar Express and The Year Without a Santa Claus, you can spend the holiday season opening only the good stuff. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond, and you're also getting your favorite iconic Christmas movies without having to search. AMC Plus is available on all your devices. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, so Oli, we, I think, yeah, I think the floor is yours in naming what exactly is. I don't know what which list would be uh, easier. Probably what's uh, t- what uh, Chivas have, have done right this campaign because I don't think that would take very long. But um, what okay. exactly what's went wrong for them? I mean, it as Manu mentioned, you know, statistically, you look at that game you know, where they played Atlas, and this seems to be a reoccurrence almost that they they outplay their opponent, but they really struggle to get. Shots on target, I've, I've noticed. You know, a lot of chances, but you know, if, if you're not getting them on target, not testing the goalkeeper, you're obviously not going to score, you know, and yeah. goal scoring has been an issue for them, but um, it, they seem to have many an issue. Yeah, it's, it's hard to start with that, with Chivas to think where's things has gone wrong. It's like, and it probably the most obvious, glaring thing is it is the striking position. I think they've tried things off the top of my head. I think they've tried at least four different strikers there this season. You've got Polito, who's obviously just so injury prone, it's ridiculous. You've got Fierro, who's been playing there, like sort of out of position in the past two games, looks all right. You've got Zaldivar, who is atrocious. Like, he's one of the worst strikers I've seen. He should go. He should just leave Chivas to get rid of him. And you've got this youngster, Macias, who, I think that's how you pronounce it, who he actually looks pretty decent, but he's on the bench for this game. I think he scored two in the last game and he scored a, a, throughout the season as well. And that's just a massive issue for them. They've they create so many chances. I mean, you've got Chopis and Pizarro, Cisneros, you've got Brazil, they've got good attacking wingers, like players who can play off them. They've just had a, just been a bit 
eh so far in like too many games they go they go missing for a bit and then it'll come to a point where they'll really like attack 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 i mean i, I think i sound like i think it's the uh couple minutes game against against atlanta where they drew 1-1 and went out on penalties they absolutely annihilated them for 90 minutes and they should have won that about six or seven one but they just can't finish and it's, there's so many times when Pizarro, like he did this weekend, just has to score a wonder goal to, I mean, it was like the 92nd minute, so didn't have much time to go, but to just drag them back into games. It's sort of players having to single-handedly do it themselves. I mean, yeah, Oli, that's, no, yeah, that's a really interesting storyline, though, isn't it? Because it seems like they won the Liguela last year, pretty much doing yeah. the opposite. They were yeah, all played in almost all their games and just were so efficient that they got the job done. Mm-hmm. It's, it's bizarre how things just change, like, don't seem to Teams must have just been able to just like figure them out now, and Almeida yeah. hasn't really shifted away from this style. He's, I think he's tried to probably play be a bit more progressive, and just hasn't really worked. It, it doesn't help that, for example, Pineda, who was just class in the midfield last season, his form has just fallen off a cliff. Mm. I think it's, I think, I think but, even going back to the Atlanta game, they Almeida had sort of said like a month ago maybe now they sort of like they knew they weren't going to qualify for the Ligia and basically said okay everything's on the Copper Mex and he started resting players in the league and again they get knocked out of that as well so it just sort of like when it looks like they're getting somewhere they get like knocked back like three so it's going to be a tricky uh, sort of like transfer window for them because they need to get in players yeah, but they can only well, get Mexicans, right? So that's a yeah, really no, big that's problem. Thing, yeah, and then, then it's like, wait, you have, yeah, you're, you're going to have to look internally. And there's, I think, a few names being battled around, but like, I can't remember off the top of my head, but nothing really jaw dropping at the moment. I think one I saw was a uh, Escoto from Lobos who scored that ridiculous bicycle kick against them. And I think that was literally the only reason why Almeida wants him. Perfect scouting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. It's a bit of a tricky situation for them to be in that, you know, to have that restriction. Um, I mean, that that's what a lot of us really appreciate and really enjoy about uh, Chivas, you know, that they are pure in the sense that they just stick you to that, um, you know, to that ruling of just having Mexican players, but it, it would make things so much easier, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, I've obviously said about, um, you know, Castello for, uh, you know, for Pumas being you know, such a fantastic player for them and them being, you know, a one-man team and how somebody at some stage has got to come in and probably snatch him up, you know, unless Pumas can really change things around. Uh, and he would almost fit that bill, I, I feel, anyway, you know, in, in a goal scorer, you know, a goal scorer that they need. But obviously he's he's, he's from Chile, so that that's not going to work. So... It does restrict them massively. It means that they can get priced out, um, I feel. And I wouldn't be surprised if teams see them coming and go, well, you're going to have to pay up. What other options have you got? You know, and I, I think Almeida's, he's going to have a tricky transfer window, isn't he? And um, he's going to have to uh, really get some players in and turn you know, that corner because I think if they start the campaign as poorly as they did with this one, it's gonna be hard for him to keep his job there. Um, yeah. I, 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 it's hard to say how many matches. Maybe they were given the whole campaign. I don't know, but you know, all, all of a sudden they they're not gonna want to have to look over their shoulder. Then you at a possible relegation, you know, because it, it's worked on an average of points, isn't it? And you know, if they end up slipping up, you know, for not just another few months, but even beyond that. You just never know what can happen in League MX. And I think that would be absolutely unheard of for a team like that to possibly go down. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. No, you, no, you, yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, but, you know, I have a, I have a, maybe before we move on to the big topic, one quick one to Ollie, because, Bryce, we discussed this already last week. Carlos Vela was the name that floated around last transfer window for, for Chivas, right? And uh, he ended up going to LAFC. Oh, is going to LFC. Um, obviously that club doesn't start playing till, um, March. That would have been a massive difference maker for them, wouldn't it be? Oh, oh yeah. Just someone to have that star quality in the team would have been immense. Just someone you know who can just sort of do things out and nothing. He's like sort of Pizarro, but on like so many more levels. Mm. That's, and that's what, and going, even go back to Castillo, they need that sort of just like, he's just such a bullish striker, someone yeah. who's just a big unit up front. I just don't really have anyone going forward they have a lot of like nice little tricky wingers who can play up front but no real big unit i suppose pelido 
ish is that he's not afraid to sort of like get stuck in, but you can't rely on someone who's just perennially injured. Yeah, I guess the the issues too, and this is this is maybe a, a topic for a different podcast. But when you look at the top goal scorers in Liga MX right now, the in the in the top ten, there's only one Mexican, and that's Victor mm -hmm. Guzman from Pachuca. The rest is all foreigners. You know, Avilas yeah. Hurtado, of course, is talked that he's going to choose to play for Mexico. But I think he, he as a naturalized Mexican, he wouldn't actually qualify to that Chivas rule, so they couldn't really get around that. Um, that's that's actually an interesting something interesting to keep an eye on, you know, that there isn't actually any Mexican-born proven goal scorers in that league. Of course, there's Chicharito. I don't know what the chances are of them getting him back. Uh, I <laughs> guess the only team in Mexico he'll be ever be playing for would be Chivas. But yeah. my instinct says MLS for the end of his career. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Actually, I think the only, off the top of my head, the only natural striker, I think, a Mexican natural striker in the league of Mexico who does score goals is probably Peralta at Club America. And he's, he's only got six goals anyway. So I think if an out and out striker who's a Mexican, who's a, a national team player, got six goals is still not great mm. well I, I mean obviously Victor Guzman's more of a midfielder as well we, we mentioned um, uh, him um, so he he wouldn't exactly be ideal for that position either and why I'm I'm even addressing that is because you know if we look at it Pachuca are a big club We've got you know big names there but I, I, I almost feel just before we move on as well we have to touch on Another big side, not making Ligia as well. I mean, it's it's been a pretty poor campaign for them again. Second time yeah. in a row too, Bryce. You know, and, yeah. and we're only ignoring it because they won the CONCACAF. Yeah, exactly, which buys them a bit more time. It, it feels that they kind of, um, you know, we still look at the table and go, yeah, but they're still they're still big. There's there's still a, a top mm. team to come up against. But actually, this is this has been another poor campaign, um, and that's why possibly you know players would start to look away from them you know if that was to continue no. or it would be a, a talk that they'd have to make some uh, changes there i don't think so because i i actually do watch that episode um on the 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 mexican soap opera on the liga mx soap opera that i like to watch and where they show the training ground of pachuca and it's it's immense it's you know it's from a different planet you you won't even find many european sides that have this kind of these kind of facilities and they have the buying power but you know obviously um a lot of a lot of the issues there are getting sort of swept under the the carpet because they they won the conquer cuff right the the club world cup is where they're going to and i think that kind of lets them get away with um some things but it'd be really interesting to see um, them in the clausura because once that club world cup is finished and dusted and done, obviously the, the CONCACAF Champions League starts for the Mexican and MLS teams in, in the spring as well. It starts in March. Um, so they will be involved in that, but I don't think they could get away, um, with, you know, with poor results come the springtime. I mean, it will be basically. Back to Liguella, and I mean, this is a side that, uh, ideally speaking, should be competing for for the Liga MX title. Interesting, it'll be uh, just to see how things uh, turn out there, and um, see how things go with the World Club Championship for Chuka. Uh, but um, guys, let's talk about Liguilla. We, we've talked about it a little bit, I suppose, so far. But you know, going into the final weekend um, of uh, of games. Well, we've got 10 teams that can, can make it, and obviously 10 teams can't be there. So I suppose I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask the question, who is going to make it, and what games should we be uh, really highlighting and drawing people's attention to come uh, the final match day? Manu, let, let's go with you first. Um, who do you think is going to make the Ligia? Obviously, mm. their teams have already cemented their places there. But as we mentioned, there's a lot of teams on likes of 24 points, isn't there? Um, what do you think is going to happen? 
Oh, Bryce, that's such a nasty question. <laughs> it's so open ended. It's so open ended. Um, uh, but I'll so, try and uh, I'll try and throw in uh, you know my opinion as well. And obviously, I'm going to throw Ollie in there as well. But uh, yeah, let's yeah. go to yourself first. Well, I think that you know, technically speaking, Tijuana can still make it, right? And um, they are the side that has has it maybe the toughest because they're on 21 points and they have really all the other results need to go their way to do it. So I would almost say that they're kind of out of the picture, but um, this, I think Toluca, Leon, Morelia will all go too, but then you have that Necaxa, Atlas, Cruz Azul, that trio. And I can see the live table in front of my eyes right now during the match day where they're going to have the team switching back and forward throughout. And that's going to be really fascinating to watch the, the three teams, um, you know, basically playing. They're not, none of them are playing each other. Um, it's, it's really kind of spread all over. And Nikaxa are at playing Monacos, of course, right? Uh, Cruz Azul is playing Veracruz and Atlas are playing Pachuca. Now, of those three games, I would say Nikaxa probably have the toughest because Morelia will want to get points out of this game to have a top finish, right? To finish as high as possible in the Liguela. Uh, Veracruz not in the playoff picture and Pachuca not in the playoff picture. So maybe that will give a slight edge to Cruz Azul and uh what do they say atas well and then you, do, do you reckon that Nakaks are gonna fall the wayside then well i'm just saying that they have a, they're actually playing a team that has something to lose right because morelia morelia will need at least a point to cement that finish and if you if you finish in the top four you get an um you get the decisive home game in the in the second leg Right. Um, so they will definitely want to secure that. So I, I, I would say that Morelia will go for a win themselves. Whereas Atlas and uh, Cruz Azul are playing teams who don't care on this final match day. And that will give them an advantage because Cruz Azul and Atlas will likely win their games, should put them on 27 points. And that means that if Nikaxa even just drop, um, just dropped two points, that would already put them out of the playoff picture. Yeah, and I must say, looking at the stats as well, Amorelli have been very strong on the road as well. In eight games, they've won five, uh, drawing one of those as well. So it, it, it does make things tough for uh, Nikax. It does not going into the weekend. Um, we, we discussed this as well before uh, we go to Oli, actually. Uh, we discussed it before the pods um, that Games are all at different times, different days. I can only imagine for for TV rights and whatever else, but mm. it just seems ludicrous that they're not being all played at the same time because ultimately it could ruin some of the ties, really. But um, anyway, that's not going to change by the weekend uh, or by that weekend. But um, Ollie, um, I'm more or less putting the same question to you. I mean, who do you think is going to go through? Do you, are you going to echo uh, Manuel and what he said? Um, or do you see it going any different way? I will be agreeing with Manu. Yes, I do. I think the Caps are going to be the team that misses out. I can see Cruz all beating Veracruz, and that was beating Pachuca for the reasons as he's already discussed. And the Caps will then probably have to get a, a, a win at home to Morelia, who themselves still need a point. Like I said, Morelia are strong on the road. They, they proved they they could they can, especially think last season at the end of their course era against um, Monterey, needing to win to stay up and also make it into Ligia. They can get points when they really need to. I just I think the Caps are as good as they have been. I think this could be just one game too far for them. And I think even discussing going to the uh, the games being played, all these games being played at different times, I think Atlas Pachuca is being played on the Friday night. So mm. Atlas win, that already, you think the pressure that puts on the Caps are, just surmounts even more, and then you've got Cruz all playing at eleven, and the Caxton are playing at like three, uh, three, sorry, not eleven. And the Cruz are playing at five. Looking at the UK times, Cruz are playing at uh, five, and then the Caxton are playing at nine. So 
and at least in the capsule has an idea of what they need to do, which I guess is a I guess can be a positive. But if if or if Cruz and Atlas have already won, they then they're going to gain basically knowing they have to win, and Morelia knowing that they they can get a point and be safe. It sort of go both ways. That's so cruel. Yeah. <laughs> just looking at that, just to translate that to our North American listeners, so the the, the games will be on um, the the Friday game, of course, Atlas. Pachuca will be on 7 p.m. Pacific time, 4 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. And then, of course, the, the Nikaxa game, 7 p.m. Pacific time, um, 4 p.m. Eastern time, and the Cruzazul game, 3 p.m. Pacific time, 6 p.m. Eastern time. So that's just to translate that. But that's so cruel, Ollie. Um, I know. Because Nikaxa... And, and then, you've got, then you've got Toluca playing on the Sunday. It's like they've got to wait, yeah. like, seen Atlas winning they've got to wait two whole days to tell him realize to know what they have to do yeah it's it's just you're almost looking at the different times that the games are on and looking at the table and it just melts your head a little bit doesn't it <laughs> you're just like okay well they're gonna have to wait till then they're gonna have to wait it's it's all yeah. a bit messy really I mean so as we said three teams are on 24 but three teams are on 26 as well with Morelia, Leon and, and Toluca all being on 26 and yeah, I mean, then I look at their fixtures and you go, okay, well, one of them in, you know, that one of them's two hours apart, but the other one's, you know, 15 hours after that. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's, it's all a bit messy. But yeah, if you, if you look at the, um, uh, go back to uh, who's going to get in, I, I think I'm going to be the, the third man to agree that it, it seems so harsh because they've had such a good campaign and a campaign better than anyone probably would have expected. But I think Nick are just going to fall short as well. I, I think just because of one of the other surprise teams, and that's uh, Morelli and how, how good they've been this season. And it, it, I don't know. I don't know what way it's going to go, but I would probably put my money on Morelia there. And mm. yeah, then, then I, I suppose it's, it's down to the other teams to... Um, well, it's not really a mess up the the situation that they've got. And Tijuana sitting down in tenth. Yes, they technically can get there, but they're they're gonna have to get the other teams to um, have a bit of a nightmare, and they're gonna have to absolutely hammer Toluca as well because of the, the goal difference as well. So, I I think I think we can more or less rule out Tijuana unless they get some type of miracle, can't we? But the the game will still matter because Toluca may have to put in a performance to finish as high as possible. And then on, on Sunday, of course, the other game that will matter is Santos Laguna Club America because Club America may have to react to whatever Morelia is doing on Saturday. Well, 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 that's very true because Toluca could be sitting. God, this this just keeps going on and on, doesn't it? <laughs> Toluca at that stage, when they go to play, could drop from sixth uh, down to eighth, actually. Uh, so, yeah. Anyone who's not who's listening, just get the table out and try and keep up with this. This is it's it's going to be a fantastic weekend. Uh, I think. Well, yeah, technically speaking, well. Toluca could still drop out. True. <laughs> yes, they, <laughs> yes, they could. Anyone I listening, mean, so could be like, Leon and Morelia's. I mean, they all all of them could technically yeah, still remember. drop out. Go from fourth to ninth. It's just mental. <laughs> because yes. Cruz Azul, Atlas, Nicaxa could all win their games. Yeah. So, so basically, get get the table up, especially the live <laughs> table up that weekend when you're watching it. And for the love of God, don't watch Carataro versus Pumas. If you are, you, 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 you've really not listened to us at all here because that game. No one will care about. No one's going to remember that one, really. I agree, and that's why I'm having to watch it next weekend. <laughs> oh, <laughs> lovely, Ollie. lovely. Uh, yeah, I, I, I pity you, but uh, that is your job, I, I suppose. My eyes are drawn to cruise at all. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, also, you still the game ends, and then it's Monterey Tigres. I know. I can always just a, a very light appetizer for it. <laughs> I mean, when we break this match day down, there is a lot of insanity to be half here because Atlas Pachuca will set the tone, right? Atlas win that game. That puts pressure on Cruz Azul, Leon, Nicaxa, Monarcas on Saturday, right? They all will have to win just to be safe. 
And depending on what those four teams will do on Saturday, that will set it up nicely for Toluca against Club Tijuana. Not saying that there's yeah. no storylines, but uh, there will be plenty. I mean, <laughs> well, just sure, surely though, the worst outcome for Oli is that he has to watch Kertar versus uh, Pumas, and then if Monterrey have already smashed the life out of uh, Santos, <laughs> then the, that game has no meaning either because you've already got first and second. That game is dark anyway. It's, it's just it's still going to be a big one, isn't it? Anyway, That's I think I would be surprised if it still yeah. wasn't uh, entertaining, to be honest. But um, you'd be watching two of the games, which is very few um, that weekend of uh, ones that don't mean a great yeah. deal. I'll just, really. just be waiting for Nakata versus Morelia. Yeah, that's a god. Look at that. What a stint that'll be for you. But um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So anyone listening. Lots can happen. That's our summary. <laughs> I, just, I don't know what other way to put that, really. Um, I can't wait, Bryce. This is going to be so exciting. I mean, I can't wait. I've I've purposely looked at the diary, you know, of, of people that you may have visiting or things you may have going on, and I went, "Not that weekend. No. I, I can't do anything." You know, <laughs> I mean, that's, so, that's that's like that Saturday is going to be so crazy because we're going to have Cruz Silver Cruz. Then we have the Monterey Derby that could potentially be the first place, game for first place. Then we have Nicaxa Monacas. And those are two teams that have actually really excited me this round. That's just going to be so much fun. I mean, this, this is going to be the best match day ever. And past experience tells me that it's going to be not until the possibly 90th, 97th minute of the Nicaxa Monacas game that we all actually have a picture of what's going to happen. Yeah, very exciting. It almost feels wrong to speak about international football in the middle of all this. Mm. Oh, sorry, international friendlies in the middle of all this, <laughs> uh, which is happening at this coming weekend uh, before all of the madness, the week week before. So, yes, we've got two weeks to wait, or the best part of it, uh, before those... Um, well, not final, deciding Ligia match day. But, uh, guys, we kind of have to, um, uh, as our right uh, to cover Mexican football, we have to speak about uh, El Trey. And so we mentioned that they're going to be playing in Europe. They're going to be taking on uh, Belgium and then Poland. Um, Osario is, yeah, doing what he does best, uh, really, and experimenting. And I feel that we're going to have to... Uh, Talk to Ollie on this uh, <laughs> <laughs> because we were talking about this before we uh, we came on, and uh, Jurgen Dam has been including it inside. Well, basically, um, Ollie Turan said interesting call ups. Jurgen Dam's in the side, and he sounded rather unhappy. So, what is the you did Jürgen not Damm- say that the right way? He was absolutely disgusted by it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he was. I'm, I'm trying to soften the blow a little bit for here, but uh, yeah, Jurgen Dam is obviously a, a player that's. Uh, we all know has tremendous amount of pace, but he really struggles with that final ball, doesn't he? He's been linked um, over the years um, to some European clubs, but I think in closer inspection, they decided not to uh, not to take him on. Um, Ollie, again, the uh, floor is open for you to explain why you think that they were maybe right for that and maybe why he should not be in that l side. Well, you touched on it prior to what I'm going to say. He is just all pace and then just nothing. I mean, the game yesterday against Nakaxa, just so many fine examples of it. He gets the ball and like blistering, blisters past the guy, past his fullback, which is fine. That's like, that's what he does. Then his crossing is just so poor. There were two occasions where he was, Tiba had sort of like a three on three, three on four, whatever you want to call it. And he, he got the ball like the edge of the box and he was almost identical sort of just dithered with it for about 10 seconds, you know, where it's a pass shoot, ended up then giving the ball away. And then you, and you, and you think, this guy's been called up into a squad. He's been injured for a bit. He's not a starter at Tigre. He's a good impact sub where you've got some, you've got two players who can play in this position. You've got Victor Guzman at Pachuca, who's got like eight goals this season. And then Elias Hernandez at Leon, who is just in some of the form of his life. And it's, it's a, it's friendlies as well. It's like, if it's, He's a, if it's for the World Cup, then maybe okay. He's like his speed can cause issues, but 
you've got two players who are in just cracking form. And then you see him named in the squad. It's like he adds very, very little if he's going to play, like start. He, you, you'll watch him and just get so frustrated by him. And you think of all those times, like he's he like strongly to Dortmund. You think, how the hell was this guy linked to Dortmund? I was like, surely he must be like just doing that himself. He sort of like said on in numerous times as well that he wants to play in Europe. It's like, mate, no, like you're just not good enough to. It's just it, a totally baffling selection. Just, I'm sure he, I'm sure he'd do a decent enough job at you in the Northern Irish Premier League. I'm, no, I'm sure he could. <laughs> you know what? You know who else was all pace and nothing was uh, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. I think there is there is enough upside. I'm gonna step in here yeah. and defend him a little bit. He just the, the, I think the big issue is that he's never left Tigris. Mm-hmm. You know, he needs to go somewhere where he can grow his game a little bit, and that's just not happening there. And he's, um, you know, they're doing all sorts of things with Jurgen Damm and Tigers these days, um, playing him in a three-man midfield, for example, which is um, hilarious, know. you know, because but they have to be because they're playing up with Anna Valencia, Gignac, and Vargas up front as the top three strikers, right? Ideally speaking. You play in a 4-3-3 and you have Jürgen Damm on one of the wings, you know. Uh, but that just doesn't happen because obviously Tigres have so much quality in the form of Vargas, Gignac and Valencia that you, you're not going to play Damm there. Damm needs to go. He needs to leave and he needs to play in Europe. I do believe that. Of course, Borussia Dortmund um, might be a step too far. I think the link to Borussia Dortmund has always come because he has a German passport, right? And, um, speaks the language because he went to a German language school in, in Mexico. So that would be an easy transition for him. And I think Germany wouldn't be a bad country for him to go. I, I don't think it's a, it's a Champions League side. I mean, you look at Marco Fabian, who I think is one of the most talented players, um, Mexico has produced in recent years. And he went to Eintracht Frankfurt, a mid table team, a team that allowed him to grow and, you know, um, where he's very important now and he's in a very important phase of, um, of that, of that team now. And I think that's the kind of, the kind of, um, level of teams he needs to look at, like the, the Frankfurts of this world or Mines or someone, something like that, you know, because that they would, they would, they would give him the ability, um, to, to use his, his speed, but at the same time also just, um, they technically, they have technically good coaches there that could give him a little bit of extra because he's not going to get it at, at Tigris. And, um, that's something, you know, I think is a bit of an issue. And I almost wonder if him being called up to the national team, um, you know, how the owners run L3 a little bit in Mexico, yeah. right? And you almost wonder if he keeps getting called up so that, um, to develop a market for him. Yeah, put him in the shop window as mm, such. Yeah, I, I'm sure. And uh, speaking about Bundesliga sides, I'm sure uh, Werner Bremen or uh, Cologne would happily have uh, someone like that in in their side of the situation that they're in at the moment. Um, but uh, has um, Jurgen Damm not uh, played? We, t- we talked about it being in a three man midfield and that being ludicrous. they not really working. But am I wrong in saying was he not played as like a wing back? Um, yeah, he was, previously yeah. and. Did, did that not work out okay? And he looked a bit better. He was sort of given a bit more sort of license to just run up and down. I mean, he didn't really do much defensively wise, but I guess that's not what he was there to do. But he sort of looked a bit better. He had a bit more. I sorry, he seemed like because he was just like it's hard to explain when he's like sort of played a right wing. He likes to cut inside quite a bit, but when, if he was like a right wing back, he basically just, I think, threatened since that you stick there and you just like run that channel and he looks a bit better when he has like a bit of guidance. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting look, one with him. Look, if Victor Moses, Moses can get into a Premier League winning side in that type <laughs> of position, there's hope for it for Jurgen Dam. That's yeah. all I'm saying. You know, he just needs the right coach. <laughs> he does. But, uh, but let, let's talk about uh, Jonathan uh, Gonzalez then. Um, obviously, a, a, a player that uh, Eltre are looking to Almost snap up, Manu. What what can you tell me about this? Uh, this well, young hopeful. Well, he seems to be very talented. He's played for Monterey, right? And um, he's he's there's been talk about him a few times. You know, Oli before the pod we said like, yeah, again there's talk about him, and there is a few players like him 
where the US and Mexico have interests um, and, and capping them. And I think L3 just have the advantage in this case because Mexico are going to the World Cup this summer and the United States aren't. But Oli, you spoke right away really highly of Jonathan Gonzalez and said like, well, if they can get him um, to play for Mexico, they have to. Oh yeah, he's such a class midfielder. I mean, I, I, I've got to say, I hadn't heard of him until the start of this season and he's just been a complete revelation in the midfield for Monterey. I mean, so much so, I think, uh, at the, the game of the weekend against Lobos, he was rested, he was on the bench and for an 18-year-old to not be in that midfield and make such a difference is quite remarkable. When he came on, he just, it looked like a bit of the old Monterey. Again, they did then concede later on, but it's just, it, it, you've got to applaud Mohamed for taking this risk to basically look at and thinking, I've got these other basically national team players who I've got in my midfield, but I'm going to go with this 18-year-old American slash Mexican, and he's just absolutely thriving. So yeah, the sooner Mexico can try and like get him nailed down, the better, because if they can get him and Lyons going together in the same team, that could be a hell of a midfield attacking force for years to come. Yeah, and then you add, you know, there's always talk about Aviles Hurtado maybe being added to that side too. Yeah. And, you know, that, that'd be really good for them. I, and I think, I think, I think, I just have a feeling that Mexico going to Russia. Yes. And the US not that they might just etch the US out or get him to play because they can offer him a call up to the World Cup. And yeah, it's just that little extra incentive. Yeah, exactly. Well, we talked about uh, Jurgen Dam possibly, um, well, trying to make his way to Europe. But um, another player that continually being linked to uh, likes of, well, Liverpool, say close to my heart, mm. is Diego Lanis, um, who's obviously broke through at uh, Club America last year. Uh, for being being played in his side when he was only sixteen, he is. A, a lot of potential, this kid. Um, I remember being wowed by him last year and almost expected for him to be taken out of the side after a while, thinking it was it was a little bit too young uh, to be featuring. But um, he, he's talking about that. He's, he's, he's small, but he, he's got a lot of potential, likes to dribble, he's creative. Um, I think there was games we've seen last year where they really, um, well, really looked to him for a, for a bit of a, a an outlet, um, America. But... Um, uh, Ollie, obviously, you watch games more than anyone else I know when it comes to Liga MX. Um, what, what's your opinion? Do you, do you think, um, or well, how highly do you rate him? And do you think that he could do a job in Europe? And if so, is is the age of uh, seventeen um, the right time for him to move? Oh, he, he is quality. He is just ridiculous when he first first onto the scene. I think it was in a Copper MX match when he think. This six year old started and just was the standout play. And you just thought, also, what, like, automatically, like, like, wow, where, where have you been at 16 years old? How the hell have you this good already? And I think maybe 17 is probably a, a bit too young to move to Europe. I'd, I'd like to think him get like, he's sort of been in and out of the squad, uh, the 11 again this season. I think I'd like to see him, hopefully, in a Corsair, if not the next, the 2018 19 season, which seems ages away to think about, maybe when he's like an actual starter then maybe he could sort of progress. But if he, because I think if he was to go to like a bigger club, say Liverpool, they might like loan him out somewhere to like Europe. But I, I think if, he, if he's going to move somewhere, do follow the steps of Chucky Lozano and go to Holland, maybe. I think he has just absolutely thrived in that mm. league. He's been, I think recently he's been linked with Arsenal, for example, we think. And it's just like, you want to do like a slow stepping stone process rather than maybe jump, jump into Liverpool and then, it could not be the end of your career because that's just a, not, not the right phrasing, but like to um, it might sort of slow down your progression. You want to sort of take it nice and slowly. And but yeah, no, he, he will be going places. Yeah, straight to England. I would be worried about that, Bryce. Yeah, I, I, the kids need to play. I, th you know, you look at you look at the recent trend of a lot of young English players going to Germany. Because they get playing time there, right? Bundesliga coaches love playing their players young because they, they believe the hard drive isn't wired yet. And I think that's, I think Germany or Holland would be good places for him to go. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I think we've, we've really seen, um, the benefits of going to the Eredivisie, uh, in Chucky Lozano. And I think a move like that, especially if you went to the likes of, 
you know, PSV, the likes of Ajax, you know, who are known for bringing through um, young talents. I could see him, him really thriving there and it being a benefit. It might be a step too far, I think, the, the Premier League. And I think with the money thrown around in the Premier League, it's very easy to be thrown into a squad and then several years pass and you've been loaned out to a few places and that'd be the end of your career. Ajax is a good uh, shot. It's very yeah, good shot. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I think him going to one of these clubs as well um, Yeah, would, would probably be a, a better move. I think you're right in saying that, Ollie. But I think the three of us can agree that that kid's got a lot of potential. Oh, and yeah. if if he plays his cards yeah. right, makes the right moves, and gets his head down and works hard, like we see a lot of players come through and they don't want to work hard, Ravel Morrison possibly being one of them. Uh, I could see Dortmund go for him too, because yeah. he would be cheap enough now to make it worth it for them. They love yeah. doing this, right? I mean, they went for Jaden Sancho, they went for Christian Pulisic, they went for Dembele. It's exactly the kind of player that Dortmund targets. Um, maybe you know, even Isaac you could throw into that category yeah, as well absolutely you know? you know basically the moment he's 18 uh, because he's not a EU national so you have to wait until he's 18 and um, I think Dortmund is definitely one I would say Dortmund Ajax PSV and uh, Porto has very good links to um, to Mexico and, and and I actually do think Liverpool as well because of Jurgen Klopp. So those are the teams that uh, will be probably the front runners to sign him. Well, there might even be a club or two in uh, France that might even work for him as well, actually. But um, I think think that's a, a pretty good shot. But I would imagine that there'll be a few club, clubs sniffing around as well for the potential to bring in a bit of talent to then make a big bit of money on it as well. Uh, because I, I think this, this kid could really be something else. Um, guys, I think we've more or less done it. I think we've, uh, we've uh, touched on all the topics that we wanted to. Um, sorry if you tuned in expecting to hear a little bit more about the international games. But um, they're only friendies. We've got Lakia to talk about. That is just too exciting to mention. But so um, I think we're going to more or less uh, call it a day there. Um, Ollie, it has been fantastic having you back. Uh, where can people find you on the likes of Twitter? Or have you got anything coming up that you would like to draw people's attention to? Yes, thank you much for having me back in. I promise I'll be on a lot more regularly now <laughs> rather than like another month passes. <laughs> oh, I hope uh, so. Especially when we're going to have so much to talk about with Little Gear. With Little Gear, yeah. I think I'll, I'll have to be, yeah. Oh, we're going to hold you to that. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so Ollie, I've where said can, it now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, where can people find you uh, on the likes of uh, maybe Twitter or that? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at FRFootballOllie, F-U-T-B-O-L-O-L-L-Y. Anything coming up? I actually, with the international break, with, with no League of Mex, I think I have nine or ten days of not much to do. So I'm going to take this opportunity to catch up on some sleep, I think. <laughs> Good man. Why not, eh? You actually get said to have a normal uh, clock at the weekend, um, like the rest <laughs> of us. Uh, but um, Manu, you always have tons going on. Uh, what would you like to draw people's attention to? And what have you got coming up? Or where can people find you on Twitter? Yeah, people can follow me on Twitter at ManuelVeff. And Bryce, I am super excited. Remember, we talked about MLS on two parts. <laughs> We're finally recording our first Major League Soccer podcast tomorrow. Jack Grimms and I, um, we call it Soccer Podcast is coming your way. It will be a little bit irregular um, because there's not much MLS football left this season, but next year we're going to roll it out full on. And um, yeah, the first podcast is going to be recorded tomorrow, so I'm really excited about that. Yeah, I'm sure people are shocked not to hear that I'm going to be involved in that because of those two uh, podcasts that we did do about MLS, I offered so much. <laughs> that was obviously sarcasm uh, something I don't know much about at all but um, anyway thank you um, I've been your host uh, Bryce Dunn you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Dunn 11 thank you very much for tuning in um, guys we've always got plenty going on at Football Grad Live um, check into the Twitter uh, there's many of articles previews uh, coming your way also if you like the podcast um, please head over to uh, iTunes and give us a, a bit of a rating or some uh, positive comments we'd really appreciate that but um, until then I'm sure we'll be uh, back uh, next week but it'll be uh, the Legia games in two weeks time 
that we're really focusing on. Uh, until then, thank you and goodbye. the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.